I tell you, I've enjoyed looking up Christmas jokes because there's some pretty good ones out there. This one, this one was, a, not all of them are good, let's just put it that way. I, I put in, uh, I put in cri- Christian Christmas jokes. There was one site that said Christian Christmas jokes, and I'm pretty sure it wasn't Christian. Uh, at least uh, it wasn't, uh, anyway, you know what I mean. I guess it was, but the, the, you, you get the picture. So anyway, but I found one that was just great. There was a little boy who wanted to be Joseph really, really, really bad in the Christmas program at church, and they said no, and they gave it to someone else, and he was the innkeeper instead, and he was really upset by this and just moped around and loudly protested that he wanted to be Joseph, and to no avail, nothing helped. And so when it came time for the program, he decided to have his. When Mary and Joseph came and knocked on the door and they said, do you have any room in your inn? He said, oh yes we do, plenty of room, come on in. <laughs> he got the last word. He, uh, he definitely stole the show on that one. I thought that was really good. Just want to tell you all this morning that we've been hard at work this week trying to fix some of the technical difficulties. Uh, we have changed all the frequencies on the, uh, on the equipment back there for the wireless equipment. And if the microphone was a problem, I've, we've replaced the microphone. So if it's still happening this morning, we're just going to become a primitive church. Just going to let you all know that. So uh, hopefully some of our technical issues from last week have been resolved. I have also given up the clicker. I'm glad because that thing was becoming a pain. So uh, William's going to be uh, advancing my slide. So if for some reason something lags behind or it's not exactly right, it's not his fault. It's still mine because I put the PowerPoint together. Or if he can't read my handwriting, you know, because I do handwritten notes. And I don't know if y'all can see this or not. I joke with people, but I want to let y'all know, I, I do the original cut and paste. Like, I actually will copy something, cut it out. Can you see that white? And, and paste it. Somebody paste it on here. Like, I, I want to be as old school as possible. So this is the way it's going to happen. So, uh, so if, and you can see, if you were close enough to see that, you could probably see it from there. I don't even think a doctor could make that out. So, you know, if there's issues, they are certainly my issues. So, uh, but that being said, let's ask God to bless my mess. So, (laughs) Father, thank you so much for this day that you have uh, brought us uh, here to as we've come to worship. Uh, Lord, let us not forsake, uh, even for a moment, and when we do uh, help show us how we should be, Lord, that that this gathering on Sunday morning is, is something that's so special. Uh, let us not forsake it, Lord, because there's so many people around the world who don't have the opportunity to meet like we do, and even those who are doing it, many are doing it for fear of being persecuted. Lord, how blessed we really are. Let us not take advantage of that blessing, but yet, Lord, be so thankful for how you have just brought us unto yourself, how you've given us this this uh, wonderful country and freedom that we have to to worship you freely, and Lord, in, in all these freedoms and all these blessings, Lord, let us just turn back grateful praise and, and help us, Lord, to live our lives according to your word and, and by the way of your spirit for thankfulness of your son. So that way, Lord, our lives may not only be pleasing to you, but they might be enticing for somebody else who has not yet met you. If they don't see us and they don't want to be like Christ, those, those Christians, they, want, they see us and they... They see the change that's been made in us. They see the difference in us, between us and the world, and and they want to be a part of it, Lord. Let us do our due diligence to...
be effective witnesses in this world. And one of the ways we do it, Lord, we know is by coming to your word. And so I pray, Lord, in as much as I pray and, and hope and ask, Lord, that you just impart on all of us daily Bible reading. I pray that for all of us. Lord, I pray, though, in this moment that uh, what we read today may enhance what we've done during the week. Uh, Lord, that it might just bring things together that you've been working and doing uh, as, we've, as we've communed with you privately, Lord. Uh, but also that you would take this specialness in preaching, as Paul talked about, and do something mighty and powerful uh, with it. Not because of me and not because of any, any words that I have, I have put together or anything that I might say. Let it not be me, Lord. Let it, let it be you. Uh, Father, may, may this uh, broken vessel just pour forth uh, blessings that your people can be filled by. Uh, Father, I uh, confess uh, a tongue of man, but I pray that, uh, that it speaks by the Spirit of God today, that your church might be uplifted, encouraged, and edified, and that we might not only hear the word, but, but do the word. Father, uh, we thank you for all of your many blessings and ask a blessing over this time through the Spirit and in Christ we pray. Amen. If you would please open your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 1, Luke chapter 1 as we jump back in there, beginning in verse 26. If you would like to, you may look up on the screen, it's there for you this morning, but it is also in your bulletin as well, this text that we shall read together. Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26 and reading through verse 38. It reads like this. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled. King James says, sore afraid. Mary was, was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting that this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and, and will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow, excuse me, overshadow you. Got choked up. So the Holy One will be born, uh, will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was unable to conceive is now in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. I feel like I need to start this message with some necessary background and, and context that seems to be becoming a, a little bit distant to our culture. As distant to our culture, I believe, as it seems that the time is between this passage and, and today. It's, it's a heavy subject, but it's a necessary one to understand the significance of this angel's visit to Mary. I want you to listen as Dr. Bruce Barton in a wonderful commentary uh, gives us some insight to these first few verses. 
Mary was not a prophet or a priest. She was not in God's temple performing acts of service. Instead, she was simply a young woman who was living at home and planning her wedding. For she was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph. In the ancient Jewish marriages, the word engaged or betrothed had a different meaning than it does today. First, the two families would agree to the union and negotiate the betrothal, including a price for the bride that would be paid to the bride's father. Next, a public announcement would be made. At this point, the couple was pledged. This is similar to engagement today, except that it was much more binding. At this point, even the couple was not officially married. Their relationship could be broken only through death or divorce. Sexual relations were not permitted. This second step lasted for a year. During that time, the couple would live separately with their parents. This waiting period would demonstrate the bride's purity. If she were found to be pregnant during that time, the marriage could be annulled. And after this waiting time, the couple would be married and begin living together. What Mary was about to hear from the angel would have significant impact on her engagement. There has been much debate as to whether or not Mary was actually perfect. Her herself, much debate over whether she was actually perfect. Personally, I do not believe that she was perfect, per se, because perfection constitutes sinlessness. However, I do believe that she was innocent and pure in her culture and in her time. I believe that she was pure morally, sexually, and most importantly, I believe she was pure of heart. Again, these things do not make her perfect, but I do believe that they make her the perfect mother of Jesus our Savior. And though she was the perfect choice, not only to bear, but also to rear and raise the Son of God, it didn't mean that it wouldn't come at a cost, this calling of God upon her life. And she realized it. She knew it. From the moment this angel spoke to her, it would be very plain what sort of cost that she would have to pay for serving God this way. When the angel Gabriel appeared to her, his word startled Mary as he said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. There was no doubt that Mary was thrilled at the thought of bearing the Messiah, Emmanuel, God with us. This Messiah that they had been waiting for, dreaming of, hoping for, had, had finally come, His time was now, that the Messiah would be delivered into all the world as He delivered the people from their bondage and captivity. All of her life, she had most likely heard this, 
this prophecy read over and over again that we find in the book of Isaiah. Therefore, the Lord Himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call Him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Mary was thrilled at the idea, the knowledge, the very, the very depths of her soul were crying out that this was the day and that this was the time that this prophecy would finally be fulfilled and that it would be fulfilled in her and that she would be able to help usher in the Word of God that would become flesh and make His dwelling among men. The perfect time had finally come, and it had come to Mary, a simple, plain person, just an ordinary girl, a poor girl, most likely, but God had come to her, how special and thrilled. She was. You know, I, I talked about how there was much speculation, or rather is much speculation, to whether or not Mary was, was perfect. There has also equally been as much talk as to whether or not God really had to come in flesh and blood. Why did He come to be like men? Why did God have to do it that way? Why, the question is asked so often, especially around this time of Christmas, why did God choose to come and dwell with men? To know why, you really have to look back to the beginning. It's hard for me to talk about Christmas without talking about the very beginning of time. Because in the beginning, man had full reign over the Garden of Eden. The Garden of Eden being the beautiful place that God had created for men to dwell with only one request of God. One request, though, that came with consequence. The book of Genesis chapter 2 and verse 17 says that you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. That question has no ambiguity today, does it? I just look at the life of this church and how many people have passed away this year thinking about it. We know what choice Adam and Eve both made in the garden that day. Since these first people, sin and death has been a part of our living. It's been a part of our life experience. And Satan has been helping make it happen every single day with increasing fervency since he did in the very beginning. But God, even in those terrible days, even in the moments of the fall, God made Adam and Eve a promise that things would one day change, a promise that Satan's terror would not reign in the life of men forever. God made a promise to Adam and Eve and consequently all of creation until He calls His children home. He made this promise by these words, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her. He will crush your head 
and you will strike his heel. Do you see who the winner is in all that? I'm going to take a sideline here. I didn't put it in my notes, but I really want to. Church, that right there is the power of the cross. That right there, that verse, is the power of the cross. Because in that, Satan thought he had won when he had crucified the Son of God. All actions and events were leading toward that. But yet we know that Satan could do nothing but strike his heel. If you think about a snake, have you ever killed a snake before? You ever witnessed that? I remember Dad killed a snake one time and he cut its head off. But that snake was in the back of his truck. It was still thrashing around on the third day. I got up near it, didn't even touch it, got up near it to look at it, and the thing started wiggling around. Three days later, Satan has already been defeated. Sin, death, hell, and the grave was defeated at the cross. Death's reign was over when Christ rose again from the tomb and that resurrection power is offered to anyone who accepts and believes in the name of Jesus Christ is baptized and rises again with Him. It's done. But Satan's head has been cut off, it's been crushed, and he's still thrashing around. And he will thrash around until the final moment that Jesus damns him to hell. And it's all burned, all sin, all evil. Satan himself at the end of time. But until then, he's going to thrash. He's going to cause damage. He's going to cause pain. But I want you all to know, as the Scriptures tell us, that because Jesus has overcome, we overcome. We already have the victory. We already have stood in the midst of God's wonderful victory when we accepted Him and became part of His family. We are on the victory side if that is who you are is a child of God. This is what Christmas is really all about. For God, it was a sad occasion. For men, it was wonderful. For God, He was giving up a part of Himself. It is a mourner's holiday. Because Jesus came to die. We have kids, not me now, but as people, have kids because it's a part of life that you can enjoy. And you teach them how to enjoy life, right? Life is meant to be enjoyed. When God gave Jesus, He didn't enjoy that giving up himself, what he did enjoy was the result. That all of us could be free. Because he knew that even in coming in the suffering that he would have in turning his back on Jesus while he took all the sin of the world for three hours until Jesus said, it is finished. He endured that because he knew that, that having us was worth it in his heart and mind. Aren't you glad that we can do nothing to pay God back? But if we accept Jesus, we don't owe him a thing. I love it. I love it. Church, that's why I love Christmas so much. I mean, I love Easter, but Christmas is where it all started. How God gave up Himself so that we could know what it means to be born as, again, as one of, one of His children. Church, this verse is Christmas. Christ is the offspring in this passage, born of woman. Listen to these words and watch them as they're on the screen from, from the book of Romans chapter 5. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, 
And in this way, death came to all people because all sin, listen to this, consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act, that one righteous act being Jesus Christ, one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all a people. One terrible act condemned all people. One righteous act justified all people. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, that one man being Jesus Christ, the many will be made righteous. Amen? I also love this verse. For this is how our righteousness and our forgiveness of sins was made possible from the book of Hebrews chapter 2. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by the fear of death. For surely it is not the angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. Church, it's not the angels he helps. It is Abraham's descendants. It's anybody who's been grafted in to the family of God, us Gentiles. For this reason, he had to be made like them, like us, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. If you're being tempted every day of your life, say amen. I'm being tempted every day in my life. Amen means we agree. I am being tempted every day in my life. I know you all are because you live. The Bible tells us. David said, I can't go a day without sinning. He was full of the Spirit. God gifted him with his Spirit. If he says, I can't go a day without sinning, and he was full of the Spirit, that means that all of us can't go a day without sinning because we are full of the Spirit too. We are not going to live a day free from temptation. We're not going to live a day free from from being able to question whether or not I should trust God with this or whether I should give in to my own desires. God is able to help those who are being tempted all because He came down and became like us. Jesus understands us. He is the perfect advocate before God for us because He lived as us. He comes and He'll stand beside us at the day of judgment and he'll say, look at the blood that covers them. That's mine. I know what he went through. I know what she went through. Now this isn't described in the book, but this is what the picture we get of what's going to be like in heaven. He's our advocate. Literally, he is our attorney. As the Bible uses legal terms, standing, giving our defense. It was difficult, his life. It was difficult, her life. But my blood has covered them. They are clean. Church, we should rejoice in Christmas because this is where it all started. This is where it all came about. This is where everything began. And let me tell you something. What I love about reading these accounts of the visits of the angels is it wasn't just God coming, but it was people who were faithful that God used. And had it not been for them and their trust in God, we wouldn't know what we know today. God came to Mary. 
through the angel and told her that she would give birth to a son, the son of the Most High who would sit on David's throne forever. And just as much as he would rule and reign as a king does, many knew even more so in their hearts the greatest benefit of the Messiah would be that he would save and redeem God's people. At hearing this, Mary just had one question. How can this be, since I am a virgin? In the view of all this, one question, how can this be? Or how, not how can, excuse me, that's important. How will, how will, how will this be since I am a virgin? Last week we noticed that one should not question God or his messenger. We learned that, I hope, despite some of the issues we had, through the example of Zacharias' disbelief that when the angel told him that his wife, even though she was well advanced in years, as he goes on to say that she is not just old, she is very old is what he says. They are old and very old. When the angel told them that they would have a baby, that he questioned that. Looking at Zachariah's question and looking at Mary's question, there, there is a, a notable difference. And it was a notable difference in how the question was asked. Whereas Zachariah's question was mingled in disbelief and doubt, Mary's question was out of confusion and a need for clarity. She asked not, how could it be? But she asked, how will it be? Not, how could this be? But, how will it be? Wanting God to be fulfilled in the words that He has spoken to her, fulfilled in her. And this was a question that the angel Gabriel was happy to oblige in, because it was a very very, very, very legitimate question, right? And then some very legitimate question. How can I give birth? How will this be since I am a virgin? And that's when the angel told her that the Holy Spirit would overshadow her. Oh, over, come over her. And I want us to see something very special is that when he says that the Holy Spirit the power of the Holy Spirit will come on you will overshadow you this is the exact same language that we see in the very beginning of time in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2 when it says the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters Another way to translate this, in fact, the same Greek word that's used in the Greek version of the Old Testament as well in Luke's writing is the same word hovering. You could also say, and the Spirit of God overshadowed the waters. The Spirit of God overshadowed the waters. What this means is that it's signifying this word that God is placing His presence in the midst of our world. He is sovereign over our world. He can come in the midst of it any time he wants to. And Mary is hearing that he was going to be sovereign, come over her life. Again, these words I've read once but want to read again. The words of this prophet 
will come to pass. Therefore, the Lord Himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. After hearing this, knowing God would be present with her over her life, she simply responded, I am the Lord's servant. I am the Lord's servant. A more literal translation of this is slave. I am the Lord's slave. After hearing everything, she says, I am the Lord's slave. It's with these words that Mary spoke that she most likely considered herself being blessed for being found in the favor of God. But she was just beginning to realize what God's favor really meant for her and what it means for those who really and truly follow God with their whole heart. A great commentator has said that God's favor does not automatically bring instant success or fame. His blessing on Mary, the honor of being the mother of the Messiah, would lead to much pain. Her peers would ridicule her. Her fiancé would consider leaving her. Her son would be rejected and murdered. But through her son would come the world's only hope. And this is why Mary has been praised by countless generations as the young girl who found favor with God. Mary's submission was part of God's plan to bring about salvation. If sorrow weighs heavy on you and dims your hope like it did Mary, think of Mary and wait patiently for God to finish working out His plan for you as He did for her. You know, I think about Mary and I realize that there are some days Mary was the only person who probably really knew the truth. She is the first and the last on this earth to have conceived of the Holy Spirit and the only one, the first and the last, to be a virgin who gave birth. I don't have to talk about much biology for you to understand how that is complex, to say the least, to put it nicely. Some days, she was probably the only person who really, who really believed what happened to her, especially at the beginning. But we believe it today. The resurrection of Christ confirmed that the virgin birth was not only necessary, but it truly was miraculous. And in our day and age, we need to have that same feeling of the virgin birth as being critical to our faith. Listen to how someone put this. Why is the virgin birth so important to the Christian faith? Jesus Christ, God's Son, had to be free from the sinful nature passed on to all other human beings by Adam, a man, the father of, of all generations. Because Jesus was born of a woman, he was a human being. But as the Son of God, Jesus was born without any trace of human sin. Jesus is both fully human and fully divine. Because Jesus lived as a man, human beings know that he fully understands their experiences and struggles. 
And because He is God, He has the power and authority to deliver people from those same sins and struggles. Church, this is Christmas. This is faith at its finest. And I love this quote from the early church father, Thomas Aquinas, that I believe sums up it all. In order that the body of Christ might be shown to be a real body, he was born of a woman. But in order that his Godhead might be made clear, he was born of a virgin. A great sacrifice of God and of Mary was offered to the world. The world that we still live in. A sacrifice that we still benefit from. My hope for all of us is that we may be so willing if we too were called by God. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for this time you've given us in this word that has been brought forth today from your word and the meager efforts of a, a broken vessel. But Lord, the significance is there. Oh, how wonderful. Oh, how marvelous. It is this miraculous birth of Jesus Christ. What a blessing that we live in because of Him. Lord, I just thank You for faithful people who have come before us. That, Lord, may we also be as we live and serve You so that all those who come behind us would call us faithful as well. Lord, it's a daily task and a hard one at that sometimes. To be faithful in everything. But Lord, that's why you gave us grace. We stand in the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. And pray, Lord, that you will help increase our faith. Let us more readily embrace you and your plans for our life. Your ways, Lord, that you call us to, that we would more readily embrace them every day as we live. That you would draw us into yourself. Oh, Father. And Lord, show us what it means when the people of God are faithful. Just how the whole world can be blessed. Father, may it come to pass in our life. May you encourage us for we need it. I pray, Lord, for those who may be struggling today with sin and strife, that you would come to them and convict and comfort. For those, O oh Lord, who are struggling with the choice of even accepting your Son or, or not, that you would speak to their deepest parts and Draw them unto yourself. And for anyone who is just in the midst of this world, tossed by its waves, that you would, O oh Lord, just speak peace. 
we all came in so different, Lord, but help us leave united in you. For this is possible all because of Jesus and faithful people who help usher him into this world. But it's still all because of Jesus. So it's in his name we pray. Amen. God may be calling you to be faithful 